This is the Evolution Exchange podcast, a channel that connects some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Andy. I help connect businesses with the best UX and UI freelance talent. And today, I'm your host. Okay, and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. So today I am joined by Nick, who is the founder of Game Art Co., Paul, who's the founder of This Co., and Thomas, who's a business development manager at Empires Not Vampires Entertainment Limited. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing the topic all about breaking into the gaming industry with a sort of design perspective. Um, so before we dig deeper into the topics and go through a couple of questions from our guests, um, we're going to start off with some quick introductions. So Nick, would you like to just introduce yourself for us? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. So I'm basically founder of Game Art Co., which is an online game art education company. We currently got um, 27,000 students and we, we also mentor kind of aspiring 2D and 3D game artists. Fantastic. Brilliant. Um, Paul, will you please give us your introduction? Sure. So uh, I've been uh, writing games since the Game Boy and the NES, so a long time in the industry. Um, I uh, started off as, a, as an intern in the company that later became Electronic Arts Canada. Um, uh, I then worked for Electronic Arts in, in the US, where I was one of the engineers on the original version of The Sims. Uh, later on, uh, I moved to Sweden and I was a uh, mobile development director at King during Candy Crush and that round of games. Uh, I uh, also started a, a game development studio uh, here in Stockholm called Neo Games, which I sold to Network in San Francisco. Um, and I'm currently trying to repeat that, uh, <laughs> developing a new game. It's almost, uh, it's, it's about to submit. So it's getting, it's getting close, but uh, that's where I am today. Cool, a exciting times ahead then, uh, Paul. Yes, too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Thomas, uh, please give me your introduction. Yeah, so hello everyone. I'm Thomas Ryan and I'm, I'm from the Embarks at Vampires. Uh, this is the manager, and my background is about 10 years in the game industry during basically indie games and in small companies or startups and uh, being very active on building like the game industry communities like IGDA, Finland and different chapters or hubs in, in, in Finnish sphere and also helping to set up IGD hubs around, around the world also. So being very active in, in that side of actually in the game industry. So. So this topic is something that's very, very close, like every day because of the community-based thing. But nowadays it's more in Embarks and Mindbars, we are like nine-person team, uh, new startup, uh, even that it's about three to four years old, mm. but we are pushing heavily on mobile games because that's basically what Phoenix game companies mostly do. So it's about 95% of mobile games in Finland. So. But it's always good to find like, like now I'm here in, one of the Finnish companies, a studio actually, because it's this last week during Helsinki. So it's always, it's for at least about two years, we haven't been meeting anyone. So now, now it's good, like bit by bit, people having a meet. Fantastic. Brilliant. 
Right, thank you all of you. Uh, it's good so that we get a little bit of background um, from everyone. So before we, um, well, we're going to jump straight into the topic now, I suppose. Um, so we're going to start with Nick. And Nick, please, can you give us your first question then? Yeah, sure. So um, can you give me at least two common faults um, that applicants make when applying to jobs at your company in your specific area of expertise? Brilliant. Um, why, uh, why is it, yeah. you know, what what about this uh, sort of aspect interests you? Is it something that you, yeah, you've seen well, but, before? Yeah, basically we, we mentor um, students a lot and people wanting to break into the industry. And uh, I think it's it's really good kind of things to to know and help applicants really, because I think sometimes there's things that they might miss. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, um, let's go with uh, Thomas first then. Yeah, I think in, in, in my case, it's usually what I notice is that because people tend to do a lot of applicants, so they actually copy and paste. So there's a, well, well, it's just a minor thing, but you usually might do like in the way that you actually bit wrong companies details there because you just copy and paste the application and push it forward and didn't do any checking. And that's one thing. Uh, another one is actually like, especially for artist side, is it's about the portfolio. So if your application is about being an artist or something, you always need to have a portfolio. And that's actually missing very often. Or it has a side effect that if you have a portfolio, but let's say you're applying Rovio somewhere else, that you know the specific style of what they do, but your portfolio doesn't have anything about it. So I would say even had a bit of pieces like that you have and you can show that you can make that kind of style of specific products that that company is making, because I think it's the usual thing that we, we say that in Finland, especially you say that you, you can always draw dragons and fairies as much as you like, but if you're applying a job that doesn't do fairies and dragons, it's not very useful. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a very good point. It's a quite common thing that, that we come across here. Yeah. So like keeping the the application relevant and like personalized towards the company that you're applying to, not just keeping that like generic same sort of format all the way through your applications. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, and okay. I think the, what, what I add on that is when you apply a job company and you do that kind of portfolio things, so you always expand your own portfolio. So actually you don't do any waste job when you apply to different company. You do their style, so you learn a bit and you have a wider portfolio mm. after that. So nothing goes to waste, even so that you would do something. But keeping that in mind when you do those personal things. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, that actually. Um, Paul, do you want to come in on that? Yeah, I think it all, it also goes the the other way, uh, where if you um, if you show um, relevant experience, um, then that really can set you apart from other applicants. Because uh, so I know um, when we're hiring, uh, especially uh, especially for artists, uh, I'm not I'm not an artist and I'm not an art director. So uh, when I see something that uh, uh, that has that looks similar to some to to what I'm looking for, then that's uh, then that's a that's like uh, that really that really stands out and I'm quite likely to want to take the next step with that applicant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think Thomas, what you were saying there about the, uh, 
the portfolio not being a waste when people like add on to it um that's sort of like a, a mindset aspect because maybe a lot of people why like nick why do you think people don't do that extra personalization bit or adding little bits to the portfolio to match the style of the company what what would you say is the reason for that uh, myself yeah what, yeah what would your opinion be as to why people wouldn't do that well I, it might be a time issue yeah i mean you, you do get a lot of students that are kind of um very kind of focused in in what they like like so so they might design like uh the portfolio more kind of for themselves as opposed to the market yeah. it might be also a matter of time as well like if, if they're studying they might not want to spend the extra time to develop more pieces but i agree with the other guys it definitely definitely helps and uh, i agree with you know if you have something similar to in style wise similar to a game you're making then you're more likely to kind of uh, take them to the next stage or give them an art test so yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's got to be, you know, you, you, it's a mindset, isn't it? You've got to consider it of like, like an investment. You're going to exactly. lose a bit of time, but yeah. what yeah. you're going to gain in the long run, like the, the thing you might add on to this particular project, you might get rejected for, but mm. it might suit two or three projects down the line that you apply for. Mm. So shifting that, which uh, I think is a really good aspect. So Thomas, have you, you know, have you had any experience with that before? You know, have you ever told anyone this, like in terms of feedback and seeing that it work anywhere else? Yeah, definitely. There has been a couple of times that we like, like, especially for the. I think from the younger side, the student side, it, it's more often like like it was said that it's more that they're making the portfolio themselves, but also it's more about they are looking the style that they are making because as as long as you go, you, you develop some kind of style for yourself. But I would say it's it's almost any kind of artist. It's good to give like a notification about it that. What you are doing, why you're making it, uh, what 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 are you going to aim? It's also, I, I would say, it also like the the future career. That what what do you aim to do it? So it's good to also do when you apply a job. You you always have to showcase them that what is your aspiration. Also, like in the future in the company. So what do you want to do? And also showcase. But it it doesn't matter that if you even that you would apply a console company or PC company or mobile company. It doesn't matter. It's more about the bit of extra effort that you can use and gain a job or gain a new a new feedback because I would say that I think many companies are willing to then give you a, like a feedback that what they want after they have seen like like if you have like recruitment steps so you probably will give them anyways uh, like this kind of like art test or something to do it so it's good that if you have already passed the first barrier that you show that you can do their style it's much more easier to get in the next level to mm. actually do the test. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Paul, is there any, um, I know Nick, we, we sort of went off a little bit of on a tangent after uh, Thomas's answer to Nick's question, mm. but Paul, is there any spe specific example from when applicants apply to you that you can relate back to Nick's question where you see any common faults or anything or what would you particularly look for? Yeah, so I like... Uh, um, I like applications to be uh, fairly short and fairly modest. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to look friendly and sincere. Uh, you don't want to look um, like you're, it's not about showing amazing talent. It's about showing that you can fit in to an existing structure. Mm -hmm. uh, I know um, it seems like the style for CVs in the UK is to have quite, quite long CVs. Um, 
in the US, typically one or two pages is enough, even for a fairly senior applicant. Uh, so for me, I think it's uh, a short, sweet, warm, energetic, friendly. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good uh, good advice for anyone anyone listening there who's thinking of like applying for new roles at the moment. Um, so Nick, from you know, from the responses you've got from that question that you were interested in, do you think you've got something, you've taken something from that? Does that help? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with like the, the points that have been made about uh, applying work uh, specifically for certain companies and also um, keeping your um, intro letter or resume, you know, kind of straight straight to the point. Mm. Um, I mean, I can add an additional point with artists. Um, I've, I've spoken to art directors and often they they just um, they might avoid or not read the intro letter straight away, but they go straight to the portfolio. So that's that's kind of a one thing. Obviously, it's important to have a basic intro letter, but they'll go straight to the work first, see if it's any good and then come back and read the rest kind of thing. So. So, yeah. Yeah, but definitely that's, a, that's, that's a really point. interesting point. So, yeah, <laughs> Thomas, just yeah. to come back to you on that, would you just hearing that, would you put more emphasis then on like telling people who especially wanting to break into the industry to put more time and effort into the portfolio as, a, as opposed to you know creating a really nice cv that looks great and it looks pretty but would you rather than put the the time and effort into the portfolio to show that yeah i, I think that's the thing that what i meant that do actually something that it is done in that company because if they go directly to their portfolio and if it doesn't match, it, it, it has nothing to do with your company. It's very hard to go back to go anywhere recently reading. Of course, you can do that. But I would say that if you have some kind of relative idea of the thing that you push something on that if that company is actually making, mm. and then you have the additional stuff that you are very good at it or something, so you show the variation. So I think that's every actually very common thing to just jump on to see the style and is there something good it, and then go back to the text parts and so but i also consider the idea with the poll so i no one has the time to read about 10 pages of what you have done we short showcase your stuff do something valuable and showcase that you can do variations of the business and aim to show the case of the future also it's almost like having a hook isn't it like get the the portfolio if you if you hook the the manager the hiring managers looking at the cvs they probably get hundreds of cvs if you get that hook you gain their interest and then they look at the cv and if it's like paul says it's just short modish you know gets to the point and showcases the skills i think you've you know you've got so much better chance compared to like half the applicants you, you can almost rule out like 60 70 percent of the other applicants in there um so that's a really good bit of advice um okay so we're going to change change direction uh, a little bit so we're going to head over to the second question it's going to come from paul so paul please can you give us your question uh okay so um uh, i was pretty happy when i saw the the word game design in the title of the podcast because mm -hmm. uh catnip for me. Uh, so yeah, I have a, a game design question. Um, the question is originality. Uh, should you max it out or can you have too much of a good thing? And the reason I like this question is that for people trying to break into the industry, this is a difficult thing to, uh, to finesse. Mm -hmm. So uh, some, um, 
some junior people, they're afraid of copying. Um, some, uh, some junior people want to copy too much. Uh, so uh, where do you uh, copy is that, and where do you need to be original and what's the balance? Okay, okay. Nick, I'm going to come to you first on that one. Okay, yeah. I mean, if I think in terms of like um, like game art portfolios again and what, what they kind of look for, what people look for, um, I would say that uh, originality, originality will be, is a great way, obviously, to get you noticed, so um, to have your own kind of style. But I think like we talked about before, um, basically, the you have to be kind of aware of what styles are in the marketplace, kind of what, what appeals to the certain target companies and what have you. Um, if I think about when I when I applied for jobs myself, when I was looking for work, I think it's great to have passion projects or projects where you you kind of might be working with friends or developing uh, a piece for your portfolio um, to show that you can do something a little bit different. But then it's also good to have the parts in your portfolio that kind of target that company and basically uh, aware of the styles in the market, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Thomas, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm in the same position. I think in, because especially in Finland, the, the, the whole industry is built on like a demo scene and the prototyping, game jamming. The whole industry was built on that. So I think very people value the idea that if you do this kind of passion work, so game jams, you can show the originality in there, but like, but also keep in mind the company that they are going to, can you do something? It doesn't matter if it's art or programming or especially beer or game design and how do you make something go all the logics. It's more about like what the company is doing. Can you showcase their stuff? But of course, if you can give them like ideas that what what is like new, uh, in the market and like entertain yourself, but also like educate yourself. What is in the market? Can you do something new? Can then can the same thing like if you do merge game or match game or something? Can you do something uniqueness in there? I think people are willing to listen, and then you will point out from the applicants also if you can showcase them that I can do the stuff that you do, but I can give you like extra push extra ingenuity and I think that's the key point especially for uh, junior positions that of course you can be modest but you have to showcase that what you know and what you can build like bring on the table and I think many of the seniorships and the managers are willing to listen and then then they will take you seriously if you can bring Mm -hmm. something new on the table. Yeah yeah Paul come back to you then hearing those two uh, opinions from Nick and Thomas what 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 have you taken from that and uh, you know what are your thoughts yeah i liked what thomas said about uh, uh being in touch with what's going on in the industry uh for artists and especially for for game designers uh because um uh for artists i think the 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 main thing is to be able to execute uh if you can also um uh, you should also be able to demonstrate that you can do work with with some familiarity, uh, and then if you're capable of differentiating, then that's uh, then that's uh, going to take you to another level. Mm-hmm. In terms of the the actual question, Paul, what uh, like give us a little bit of context, like why was it you know that you asked this question? What is it that uh, you know interests you about this area? 
Yeah, so a lot of junior people, um, sometimes they're, they're, they're afraid to copy or they try to be um, too original. Uh, and they're they're difficult to manage uh, because they um, you give them references uh, reference material mm-hmm. and um, they they sometimes they they feel obliged to do something really original whereas um, uh, a game a game has thousands of creative decisions involved and for them to all be original mm-hmm. is impossible. And probably wouldn't even be uh, wouldn't even be a good game because the the game would not have uh, you'd you lose the familiarity, uh, which is uh, an important part of uh, getting an audience to relate to your game. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned at the very start when you asked the question all about the balance. How how would you get that balance right? Um, so Nick, how how would you suggest? You know what what would be your top tip in in terms of getting that balance right? With originality, and I, I would say actually, um, well, the, the I know that um, Paul mentioned like uh, copying and such. I actually think that copying is a great way when you learn. Like, uh, so if you're if you're trying to learn when you when you do game graphics to actually emulate different styles, or even actually some, uh, if you take an existing 3D model and you try to copy it as close as possible, you actually learn quite a lot by by doing that. Um, and then you can start to kind of learn from how they do it and then start to build your own original work, original work for that. Mm. So I've kind of um, use it as a learning tool. And then but I think obviously uh, being original, I, I agree to some extent with uh, with Paul that it is it is difficult. Obviously, in games, there's a lot of clones with the games as well. So you kind of have to I mean, being a commercial artist, when I was in games industry, most of the time, actually, we did. Uh, uh, um, sequels to previous games um, or 3D versions of previous games that had to follow the style pretty much exactly the same. So we had some flexibility to be um, a little bit more original, but it, it was still kind of taking the original game based on on a game before. So mm. I, I think it's important to have some, but yeah, like I said, it's, if, you, if you can basically, um, under, uh, how would you say, uh, know how to uh, I've lost my train of thought there <laughs> but it, as long as you aim aim correctly with uh, have some originality and basically uh, know what the companies want that's the main thing yeah yeah have it having that that correct balance and I think exactly that correct balance yeah yeah like like Paul said that I think that's the hardest part isn't it if it was easy then you know it probably wouldn't be worth doing um yeah. Yeah. Before we move on to Thomas's question, Thomas and uh, then Paul, I'll come back to you with final thoughts. But Thomas, you know, just from what was said there, you know, about the balancing aspect and what Nick's just mentioned, any final thoughts from you? Thomas? Yeah, it's, um, I think it's, it's the balance is about uh, experimenting a bit, knowing what's the industry there. Uh, and it's like Nick said. It's about it's about the learning process. Like you learn always what you do, and you try about a bit, and then you experiment something. Mm. Because of course, it's a market that you're making the games. I, I think it's many often we jump into this like a, a bliss of not knowing what's there. So you can, can always make an indie game that is everything is tried to make a new, but does it actually meet the masses? Does it? 
actually have a customer. So, of course, you're going to do that kind of projects, but it's, of course, you have to think about from the company perspective what they are making. So it's good to know what they do, and then you add a bit your own personality or own tweaks in the game that can showcase that I have this kind of new model that we could make, and maybe you can test it, and if they get the idea, and then you can make it from that little aspect, you can make an entirely new type of game, or even almost like a genre. But like everything is basically made in sense like you always copy something and you learn from something. So mm. I think many companies are watching what is happening on TV or movies or whatever. So they're copying from the different art forms or different things. So it's it's I think it's good to copy, but it's good to know what it, what are the limits and when you want to bring your own style into it. Yeah, yeah. Paul, final thoughts? Uh, it was your topic, so I'll just circle back round to you and, uh, you know, what what have you taken from that? Hopefully something. Uh, but what what's your opinions on it now? Yeah, I think what, what Tomas is talking about, we um, I think of it in terms of uh, differentiation. And if you... Um, if you've ever pitched games, uh, what you'll hear a lot from potential publishers is what's your what's your primary differentiator? What makes this game what makes this game unique? You really only need to have uh, one uh, one really unique uh, thing in your game. Um, uh, beyond that, uh, familiarity is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK, great. Um, OK. Well, let's go into our last question then. So, uh, Thomas, over to you. Uh, give us your last question and a little bit of background and context as to you know why um, you know you wanted to ask this. Yeah, the, the, the question that I'm asking is about like, how much people value uh, about other referrals in, in the applications, or if someone does the intro for you, this is a good guy or this is a good girl to hire on to. Uh, the reason why I'm asking is this, is that a lot of, uh, there's like uh, hidden jobs out there in the companies and usually the only way to break into those is that you need someone's referral or intro. And I think it's very common, especially in game industry, that you need to know someone that knows someone. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm wondering, like, it's especially for, for like a junior level people, if they're not any kind of communities or anything, it might be very hard to find those jobs if they're not open in websites or anything. It's like you need to know someone that tells you that you need to apply. So this is the reasoning I'm, I'm asking that how much you guys is actually valuing this. Does it bring something new to the table? Is it something that gives you comfort? Or how do you see this as uh, as applicant? Or is it needed to get, can you rely only just the applicant's own stuff or do you need someone else to give like a background that support this guy or girl to get mm-hmm. the job? Yeah. Yeah. No, really interesting. I think um, from a recruitment perspective, I know that in my position, like filling anybody um, like candidates, it's always something we look for. Like, do you have any references? Do you have any assessors? Cause I think there's an element of like credibility in there as well. Cause in a sense, a lot of people can just, put down something on a cv but there's no accountability or credibility there no what you know if you've not got anyone to check that um so i think it is a really good important point but how much weight do you put on that 
uh, like that's that's essentially the question that you're asking like how much do you take from that and it's uh, something that you don't often consider like people just take for granted like have you got any references and things like that but yeah really good question how, how much weight should we put on that so Paul what what's your um, perspective on that? Well, so um, there are referrals and then there are references. Um, so usually when I get a referral, it's because I'm looking for, I'm asking around in my network for a specific role. And of course, anybody that comes through a, comes through a, a referral that way, I'm going to take very, very seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, so if you are... Um, um, yeah, so it's good to good to let your network know when when you're available. In terms of references, um, it's quite it's quite seldom that I reject somebody uh, based on their references. Uh, it has happened uh, maybe twice in my career out of many mm -hmm. many hires, but it's it's pretty rare. How how uh, how much do you take it into consideration? Like when you're looking at a CV or profile, how, how often you know how much emphasis do you put on all? Oh, I'll have a look at the uh, you know the references they've put down, and how much weight do you put on that? So the references we usually check at the very the the very end of the process, um, and uh, it's it's usually. References usually uh, speak glowingly about the candidate. Mm. Um, you can you can get them to talk. Uh, in most cases, you can get them to talk candidly about the candidate, and they will talk about their shortcomings and their strengths. Mm -hmm. um, I think I should um, take them. A, there have been a couple uh, experiences where. Um, um, Hires have not worked out, and then I've thought about their references, and um, uh, I, I think my spider sense is sort of tingling when I check the references. <laughs> uh, but um, so, but when I talk to references, I uh, if I firstly I want to um, I want to know if the references are 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 strong 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 people, and uh, and I want to and I want to know that they are comfortable talking candidly about the the candidate. Mm -hmm. But ruling somebody out based on their references is pretty rare for me. Yeah, yeah. Nick, do you think, um, obviously, not many people are going to put someone as a reference who's going to necessarily give them a, a bad reference or, like, yeah. not a good reference in a sense. Uh, so do you think that is the, you know, the sort of reason why references aren't as heavily as weighted on, you know, the decision-making process of a candidate because they wouldn't put someone on that's not necessarily going to speak truths about them, but like not going to say negative things about them. Well, it's it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, if you talk about like re referrals, I can definitely agree. Like with a referral, it's uh, it's uh, if someone's introducing you or you know uh, you're trying to get the job through a friend, that's going to have a stronger stronger value point to it. Definitely. Mm. Um, because I, I think, um, well, obviously, with with uh, if we think about, if I talk about art again specifically, it's still going to be down to your portfolio. But if you have a good referral or someone introduces you, um, then you might get ahead of the queue in a way. Mm -hmm. But of mm -hmm. course, it will still be down on the work, but it, it might get you ahead of some of the applicants to have your work looked at. Um, with references, yeah, I, I agree. It, it might be that, that they tend to, to say, 
positive things but um yeah i mean of course good to have but maybe the re referral is probably more personal if someone introduces you or tries to get you in inside in, in a way through someone you know yeah yeah and i think yeah i mean that saying it sometimes it's not what you know but it's who you know yeah um that can really take you a long way in a lot of different industries uh yeah. not just within gaming but i think i think a big point to take away from this is that Thomas brought up at the start is sometimes, and Paul mentioned, that your networking is a huge aspect to breaking into any industry and any role, like expanding your network. Um, because as Paul mentioned, like the, the amount of emphasis that's placed on referrals, um, that carries a lot more weight, doesn't it? Um, so that networking side of stuff, but so someone, so for someone to refer you, you've got to know them. And it's that process of how, how do you get you know how do you meet them how do you get into that so has anyone got any tips on you know the best networking kind of methods and what would you do thomas let's come to you first on that just a little sub question in terms of networking what you know what would you say to people is their best chance to expand their network yeah definitely it's like all the industry events or something that you can get in touch to people and discuss about something it, of course it can be online but i think it's also better if you have some kind of personal contact, uh, one thing that came to my mind, like from the previous works that I've been, um, sometimes from the youngsters, it, you, you can feel attempting to put some other persons like uh, in, in your paper that you even, and you always have to ask if you want to use someone as a referral for you or something, always ask in hand because you can always consider that the person that is handling the, the HR, the people, will probably even call the person that asked about that candidate. But if you have putting someone in there and you have not told anyone, and that's like almost red flags easily because uh, you get in the position that uh, you have shown that this is someone is supporting for you to get a job. But if you have not even told them to that you, they might call you or contact you, it, it, it gives like a hazy feeling that is this mm. actually actual referral is this something so don't be at them like tempt them to put something else there always ask before you do that and be be like valid on that and um but it's, like i said it's more about the industry events getting out there like 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 me on there like putting putting you out there of course if you're for extrovert people it's easier but for introvert it's also the same thing it's getting the inside the community. And that's why you can do it online. Just let them know you out there. Let them know that you're looking for a job or what kind of job you're looking for. And, and that's why you might end up get finding like some of your friends might have a position that they know that you should go there. And that, that person can actually be very valid referral for you if they actually are working already in that company. Mm. So be out there and tell that you are available. Yeah. Yes. Nick, what's your, you know, sort of top tip for networking side of things? What what have you given before as past advice? Well, I, I definitely agree with uh, all Thomas's uh, um, advice there. Um, I'd also say, like, even thinking back, if, you, if you're studying or coming close to graduation, I would say start networking at, at school as well, like uh, with, with artists that are very good inside your group. I'm not saying be artificial in that way, but of course, it, it helps to know people who have a, a lot of... Uh, who are very good in the class. Um, also game jams, like uh, a great way, because sometimes in game jams, you might get professionals actually doing it as like, uh, as for fun. So you might get to meet 
professional artists or designers or coders who might be able to help you kind of uh, get in the industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Uh, Paul, what's your sort of uh, top tip for networking then? Well, I think the best place to build your network is at work. Um, so, uh, so I think that if you, um, once you've had a, a couple of positions and, uh, if you're, uh, if you can execute, you're, you're reasonable, you're friendly, you're easy to work with, uh, you, you can function well in a, in a team environment, then, uh, people remember that, um, um, and then, so, and then if you keep your network warm through through LinkedIn or social media or whatever channels mm -hmm. uh, then uh, you know the, the people that you've uh, that you've worked with and that you've been in situations with they will remember you for a long time uh, yeah. if you have not had a job yet uh, then you can try to do the same thing at, at school so uh, get to know people well um, uh, keep in touch with them after you graduate and because chances are um, when they've when they've gotten hired, um, they will have gotten hired by companies that are hiring. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Nick said as well, you know, like start early, I suppose. Never, you know, sort of invest in in your future a little bit as well, um, and that sort of draws back to what we were saying at the start. I think people ultimately have got to try and map out their sort of future and the way into the industry um, from quite an early stage and perhaps a big takeaway from this podcast would be start early and plan um, is a really good element of that with the things that we've ta talked about today um, but no that's really good uh, Thomas any final points like I say we'll come back to you we'll circle back round since it was your question before we wrap up for the day so any final points from you well, I think the final point, like what Nick said, is that start day one, basically, like it's easy to do LinkedIn meetings or whatever, just add, add people into your network, because if you're starting school and you do like two to three years, like your school, you already, when they graduate, they are going different companies. And if you take another five years, you never know where people are working at. So when you build up the network, it adds up all the time. So be out there, look out what is there, let people know what you're looking for, or even that you are working in some company and if you want to change the company, of course, that's another thing also, like telling that I'm looking at like a different kind of position, I'm available and this is my background. So it's more about like the openness that what, what do you want to do? Because you don't want, like no one wants to hire a dickhead. That's, that's, the, that's the case, you need to be a good person, you need to be open and know what you want and let the people know what they need. And then you then like then you can mismatch whenever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, really good bits of advice. And I'm sure there's lots of things within this uh, topic, within each question that people are going to benefit from. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's everything for today. That's all three questions. Um, so if no one has uh, got anything else to add, we'll uh, we'll leave it there for today. So this has been the another episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Uh, so I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Paul, Nick and Thomas for their input. Uh, their insight and uh, general discussion throughout the podcast. So it's been brilliant having you on, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, if anyone else who's listening would like to get involved on the podcast, please uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. But we'll see you next time on the next episode. Thanks, you guys. Thanks a lot. Thank Here. you.